Right then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Barbell and Beers podcast. Here we are with episode five. Uh, and you know what? This episode is actually coming out a lot sooner than I actually promised last week. You know, I said to you on last week's episode, which by the way, thank you first and foremost uh, for the support on the podcast episode last week. Um, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was genuinely worried that by bringing the podcast back after like nine months of basically going MIA, uh, that absolutely no one would be listening to it and no one would give a shit for what I'm going to be posting. Um, but I think actually, I haven't got the stats on me right now, but I'm pretty sure that last week's podcast episode is my most listened to yet, which is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Uh, it's nice to kind of uh, feel feel like I'm actually putting out some good content. So but yeah, anyway, here we are with episode five of the Barbell and Beers podcast. And this week, uh, the topic for this week is actually something that I've wanted to talk about in greater depth for a very long time. I've spoke about this on Instagram posts in part, nothing really too kind of in-depth or major or anything like that. Um, but this piece of content really is something that I feel like really resonates with um, what I would class as like my target audience, right? So for full context, I would say out of the you know 300 plus people that I've coached over the past few years... I would say overwhelmingly 99.8% of people that I've coached um, are all what you would consider 9 to 5 workers. Or just to kind of expand on that a little bit more, they're either 9 to 5 workers, shift workers, or people who are just pulling, you know, 40 to 50 hours per week, um, you know, working under an employer sort of thing. So, you know, overwhelmingly the majority of the clients that I've worked with, like literally nearly all of them, I can only think of one or two clients that have been, you know, self-employed, uh, have what I would consider a more uh, kind of beneficial sort of like work-life balance sort of thing. Um, So yeah, the reason I really wanted to record this podcast is because I know that, you know, with all the people that come to me for help, whether it is to do with coaching or whether it's just to come to me for advice and stuff, I would say overwhelmingly the majority of people that come to me um, all struggle with the same things. You know, most people coming to me are full-time workers. They've got families, they've got social lives. Um, they've got a million and one things going off that is, you know, kind of like zapping on their energy and they just find it really, really hard to find a way in which to get in shape that's going to work with their lifestyle. So really the whole point of this podcast and the, the sole aim of this podcast is to equip you guys with the information that you need to be able to build a game plan that's going to get you the results that you want while working around, you know, your full-time job and also working around your kind of like family and your social commitments as well. Um, That's really the main aim of me recording this podcast. And, you know, the reason I really want to put this out there is because, just as I mentioned earlier on, a lot of people come to me struggling with uh, just being able to find a game plan of sorts that's going to fit within their lifestyle. And, you know, one thing I really want to stress at this point before I even go into this topic in detail, right, is... You will hear so much in the fitness industry that it's all about making time for stuff and that you don't or that you shouldn't have any excuses. Like if you want it bad enough, then you're going to make the time for it and all that, all that fucking absolute nonsense. Um, unfortunately, this is a an ideology that sticks around in the fitness industry and has been for so long. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you have got a lot of uh, bodybuilders or <laughs> wannabe bodybuilders, should we say, Um that kind of like live in their own, excuse me, they live in their own little bubble and they uh, suddenly believe that absolutely everyone should just give up everything that they hold dear to them and put fucking bodybuilding, um, fitness work, all that sort of stuff, basically put the gym as like their main priority. Um, 
Me, on the other hand, I'm a realist. I work with real people. I work with people who may enjoy the gym, but they also have other priorities in life. For example, like their career, their family, um, their quality of life, all that sort of stuff. So this podcast is directly aimed at the people who want to get in shape, who maybe want to get a little bit leaner, build some muscle, improve their physique, feel more confident in themselves, but they want to do it in a way that's sustainable with everything else that they've got going on inside their life. So if you are that type of person, then trust me, you have tuned in for the right episode here. Um, So without further ado, let's get stuck in. So just as I've mentioned, you know, uh, this really is essentially like the title suggests, this is going to be a nine to five workers guide to getting results. Uh, Now, just to kind of quickly say, this does not just apply to nine to five workers. This literally applies to anyone who has got a full time job who is, um, you know, working any sort of full time work that has them working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours per week. You know, if you're doing shift work, if you do regular night shifts, or even if it is a nine five in an office job, whatever it is, if you're a full time worker uh, and, you know, work takes up the majority of your week sort of thing and you've got limited time to train and to dedicate towards getting results, then this podcast is for you. So first and foremost, then point number one is train three to four times per week. Now, again, one of the biggest misconceptions is that everyone believes when they get into the body transformation game, that they have to dedicate as much time as possible towards exercise as they possibly can. And one of the big mistakes I see a lot of people make is they will automatically try and jump into a training program that has them training, you know, five, six, even seven times a week. And although that may work for a couple of weeks, you know, motivation is a really powerful tool. It will carry you through uh, at least for a couple of weeks. As you start to burn out, Uh, you know, kind of like sticking with such a a very demanding workout schedule will eventually bite you in the arse. Um, So for me, what I found with, you know, working with so many people in the nine to five sort of life is that for me, the sweet spot tends to be around three to four sessions per week. Normally, um, you know, that can work pretty well because it means no matter how you kind of split your training schedule up, uh, it means that, you know, you won't have to really do the majority of your workouts throughout the week during the, uh, the working week when you're very busy. You can kind of spread your workouts evenly across the week so that you've kind of got enough time to, you know, train during the week where you're busy with work. And then you've also got time to train on the weekends where typically you've maybe got a little bit more free time. So I would say three to four sessions a week is kind of like the sweet spot. Not saying that you can't go any more than that. You know, if you are the type of person where you do fully believe that you've got enough time to train five or six times a week, then, you know, be my guest. Um, I've definitely had clients like that in the past who, uh, you know, maybe just don't have as many commitments and they've got maybe a little bit more free time for the gym. If that's you, then hey, that's in- that's incredible. Go for it. But, you know, if you are, again, the type of person that's pulling, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, uh, you know, you've got a busy, uh, busy social life, you've got, you know, commitments of sorts, whether it's social, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, um, you know, for the sake of ensuring that you've got enough time to have not only some free time, but then also time to spend with, you know, friends and family, stuff like that. Three to four sessions a week for me is the sweet spot. Now, in terms of training splits, uh, things that I've found have been really, really useful for, you know, the clients I've worked with. Um, You know, if you intend to train sort of three times per week, I would arguably say full body sessions is the way to go. Um, You can still build a very good training program uh, that kind of ticks all the boxes for strength and muscle gain sort of thing uh, and kind of fit them within sort of three sessions. So, you know, if you're doing sort of three sessions a week, full body, uh, mostly compound work in each of those sessions to kind of get the large amount of volume in, then you're all good. If, for example, you wanted to do four sessions a week, um, I would arguably look at doing, say, an 
upper lower upper lower split um, very traditional split but it's a great way of kind of splitting up your training volume across multiple sessions it means that you can hit muscle groups you know two to three times a week um, go through a variety of different exercises use different rep ranges you've got enough space within four sessions a week to do a lot of volume and a lot of work that's going to you know kind of help you towards your goal sort of thing so that would be my sort of recommendation in terms of, uh, you know, kind of like training splits or at least kind of, um, you know, templates for splits and sort of thing uh, between sort of three, four sessions a week. So that's point number one. Point number two uh, actually kind of follows on from the first point, And that is to actually keep your sessions short and intense wherever possible. Um, again, when I'm designing workouts for my clients, especially ones who, you know, have a very hectic sort of nine to five or have a very demanding job. I try and keep the sessions within one hour, uh, very maximum an hour and a half. Um, the way I look at it is, you know, let's be honest, if you are listening to this and you're listening to this because you want, uh, you know, an idea of actually how to build a game plan to get your results with a very busy lifestyle, chances are you don't really want to be spending two, three hours in the gym every single time. You probably haven't got that time to spit, you know. Again, going back to the clients that I work with, the people specifically within my audience, I know that the people I work with have very limited time to dedicate towards the gym. You know, if you are working eight, nine hours a day, uh, and then, you know, you've got to travel to the gym, uh, but then at the same time, you know, you've got to fit in, uh, you know, prepping meals with the family, spending time with kids, with your significant others, or if you've got any other sort of, um, you know, commitments, whether it's education, whether it's social commitments, whatever it may be. Point is, I imagine you probably haven't got that much time to train. So for me, it's important that in terms of training, you want to keep the training sessions to within an hour to an hour and a half. I would say if you, if it's possible, try and, um, you know, build the workouts in a sense so that it's closer towards the hour mark because I feel like that's kind of like a nice sweet spot. And the way in which you can do that, you know, there's many, many different ways that you can build an effective workout that's going to tick all the boxes for kind of like strength and muscle gain. Um, but at the same time, it's also going to be time efficient. So this is where I would be looking at using things, for example, like supersets, also things like drop sets, muscle rounds. I imagine if any of my clients are listening to this, they are probably, um, just kind of mentally making a note to just, uh, send a message of hate to me after they hear those words. Um, a lot of my clients will uh, be very familiar with those things that I've just thrown around, but yeah, kind of back on point, you know, if you really want to build a time efficient workout that's, you know, still going to tick the boxes and is not going to ruin the quality and the aims of the session, uh, things like drop sets, uh, things like supersets, which are especially paired with uh, opposing muscle groups, uh, muscle rounds, cluster sets, rest pauses, all of these things are a great way of kind of increasing the amount of volume that you're putting through a muscle without having to do a ton of exercises and a ton of sets um, you know, kind of within each and every exercise. So that would be my sort of way of doing that. Um, I could be here all day just kind of talking about session structure and stuff like that, but you know, I don't want to make this podcast run on for any longer than it sort of needs to be. Right. Um, but yeah, that would be my sort of recommendation in terms of training length and stuff like that. Um, I've always been of the personal opinion that if you are training sort of more than an hour and a half, two hours in a gym session, chances are the majority of the work that you are doing is probably not even optimal and is probably not even actually helping you towards your goals. Um, again, you probably will have seen it in the gym quite a lot. People who spend hours and hours in the gym are more than likely not working at the required intensity and are kind of like making up for that lack of intensity by doing a shitload more work, thinking it's going to have the same effect. But trust me, 
more does not always equal better in this game. And to be honest, that's a podcast episode in its, in its own right, which I will probably cover at some point soon. So that's point number two. Now, point number three is, and this one for me has been a game changer for my clients. And that is for you to try and kind of almost in a sense build like a pool of like staple meals to have for things like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So what I mean by that, and this is something that I coach to my clients, is that, you know, when it comes to nutrition, nutrition is one of those things that people will often put on the back burner when they are very busy, when they're very overwhelmed, and when they're very stressed. And what happens more often than not, and, you know, you listening to this, you might resonate with this, is, you know, when you're really, really busy and you're trying to track your food and stuff, you'll just go for things that are convenient. You'll reach for the, you know, the crisps or the chocolate that's in the cupboard the minute you walk through the door. Um, you know, you'll go to McDonald's and you'll just, you know, pick the first thing on the menu sort of thing without any sort of real thought. Uh, if you're in a rush on your lunch break, for example. And it's kind of like a, a lack of preparation like that, that can often lead to you making the wrong decisions. And again, you know, just to kind of reiterate a point I've said so many times, there are no such thing as good and bad foods. But if you are consistently picking foods that are more convenient and you've not really put any thought behind it, if you're not really tracking your food properly and, you know, you unknowingly end up just, you know, kind of going over calories quite frequently and stuff like that, then obviously it's going to have a negative effect, you know, if you're trying to lose some body fat, right? So to make life just that little bit easier for you and just, again, to kind of take some of that decision fatigue away from you is maybe have like a, a st- or like a pool of like kind of like staple meals to have for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So something I say to my clients is, uh, you know, kind of think of like, say, two to three breakfast uh, ideas that you really, really like. You know, if we're looking at, you know, different breakfast options and stuff, pick two to three that you really enjoy having, uh, ones that are sort of like calorie friendly, stuff like that. Um, granted, they'll often make that decision looking at some of the recipe packs I have within my client support hub. But again, you know, if you if you are someone that's, you know, tracked food before and stuff like that, you've got an idea of kind of like your ideal breakfast and things like that. I would argue one of the best things that you can do is kind of have, say, two to three examples for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And either, you know, if you want to take the initiative, you could potentially save them as set meals in My Fitness Pal. Um, if you don't know how to do that, just quickly Google it. It'll be very easy to set up. Um, but what I would say is have uh, a pool of like two to three ideas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then just every day, pick whichever one that you want. And what that does is if you've got the same sort of things that you can just kind of rotate, you know how to prepare each meal, uh, you know the ingredients involved sort of thing. What happens there is you take the decision fatigue away. More often than not, if you have to spend more than two or three minutes in the morning trying to figure out what you're going to eat to try and fit within your calories within a day and stuff, and then you're trying to then go on and focus on a full day of work, then come back and, you know, do all the chores in the house, do food shopping, all this sort of stuff. It's just one of those things that you just go, you know what, I can't be asked. I'm just going to pick something quickly and just go with that. So if you really want to have meals in place that are calorie and macro friendly, that are going to make it easy for you to be able to stick to your nutrition long term, uh, meals that are going to keep you full all day and limit the amount of, you know, kind of like sporadic decision making when it comes to snacking and stuff. I would have a pool of staple meals in place that you can just pick from at any point. So like I said, or like I mentioned earlier on, what you can do is just think of, say, two to three, um, you know, very easy to prepare sort of like meal ideas for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Save them as meals within my fitness pal. And then every day you go, you know what, I'm going to go with this option today. And you know what, I'm going to go with this option for lunch. And then I'm going to go with this option for dinner sort of thing. And if you can decide that first thing in the morning or even the night before, that immediately takes a load of stress off your shoulders. 
So if you are someone that consistently struggles with finding the time to think of what to eat every day and subsequently then also struggles for time to prepare food and stuff like that and ends up, you know, picking more convenient based food or convenience based foods and, you know, maybe meals that maybe aren't the most calorie or macro friendly, then this is definitely a point that I would look at doing because this has honestly saved my clients a hell of a lot of time and a hell of a lot of stress. And it's just made it so much easier for them to stick to their nutrition targets and ultimately get the results that they want long term. So point three is probably going to be a very, very big one for those of you listening who are maybe not as um, as well equipped nutrition wise uh, as you possibly could be. So point number four, uh, this is the second to last one, by the way, I completely forgot to mention at the start that there are going to be five points here. Um, so I do apologize. But yeah, point number four then, uh, and this kind of goes more towards sort of step count. Now, again, one thing that a lot of people, especially those in uh, sedentary jobs or office-based jobs will struggle with is step count. And again, going back to a point, everyone talks about the fact that, you know, steps are one of the easiest things in the world to do. It's really not that hard to just step outside and go for a walk. You know what I mean? Um, but again, the, the hustle hard dickheads will have you believe that, oh yeah, if you really want it bad enough, you'll go and do it, blah, 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 blah. Um, but again, being a realist, I know that if you are someone who has a full-time job, you're pulling a nine, 10 hour shift. Uh, you've got family commitments. You've got chores to do domestic stuff to focus on all this sort of stuff. Finding an hour to an hour and a half every day to hit your entire steps in one go. And also try and find time to go to the gym on top. It's probably going to be a bit of an impossible job. So again, a really simple hack that's been very good for my clients is to actually split up your steps across the day. Um, so again, this kind of refers more so to clients who um, maybe have like an office-based job or you know find themselves sat down a lot is first and foremost to actually dedicate a bit of time in the morning to maybe try and get some of their, uh, you know, kind of like steps in that get that goes towards their targets, right? If you even just wake up just a little bit earlier, just kind of head out first thing in the morning, uh, you know, whack a playlist on, whack an audio book on or even listen to a podcast. Hint, Barbell and Beers podcast. Um, you know, if you just potentially just find a little bit of time in the morning before you start work, before you start your day, to just kind of get outdoors, get maybe say two to 3,000 steps in, which, you know, will probably take you about sort of 20 to 25 minutes max, right? When you put it in that perspective, it's not that big amount of time. If you literally get up half an hour earlier, you've then got an extra half an hour to maybe go out and get some steps in in the morning, right? And one thing I've said to clients a lot is, you know, if you get one of your more tedious tasks done first, or at least get a large part of the task done first, it then makes it easier to kind of tick that off throughout the day. So one thing like I said that I've been really big on with clients is to maybe find just maybe 25 to 30 minutes in the morning before, you know, starting your day to kind of get outdoors, uh, you know, get some fresh air, go and get a good amount of your steps in sort of thing. And then what you could also do is, you know, if you find like kind of a period of time in a day where you get a good amount or a good chunk of your steps done. The next thing to do is then find another chunk of the day. And this could be, you know, potentially on your lunch break. If you get half an hour or an hour on your lunch break, for example, you could literally leave the office, uh, go for a walk around the block, or, you know, if you're very fortunate to live or work, you know, quite near outdoors or like like a, a country park or something like that, you could even go there, for example. But again, typically what I find with clients who have sedentary jobs, whether it's office-based jobs, stuff like that, is the lunch break is usually a good amount of time to be able to get out of the office and go and get a good amount of steps in. And at least if you kind of do it this way, 
if you get you know a portion of your steps done in the morning before you start your day and then if you get the other portion or at least a significant amount of it done on your lunch break um or you know while you're actually at work sort of thing what it means then is by the end of your working day you're then not having to stress about finding the time to you know get a ton of steps in right by that point you have more than likely either hit your step count or you're very close to it and then if you go to the gym afterwards and you end up you know clocking in some steps just walking around there and stuff that's probably going to be the easiest way that you're going to be able to um you know hit your steps for the day sort of thing so to summarize this point instead of you trying to find an hour or an hour and a half a day sort of thing to go and hit your steps in one go let's be perfectly honest that is going to be nearly impossible for the majority of people listening to this podcast fair enough on the weekends or on days off uh, especially if you've got a rest day from the gym and stuff you probably can go and do that um, and i would definitely urge you to go and do that uh, especially you know if it means going to walk somewhere a little bit nicer in nature that sort of thing but you know if we're talking you know during the working week where the majority of your day is going to be spent you know sedentary uh, at work sort of thing one of the best things you can do is split your step count up do a portion in the morning potentially uh, you know before you start your day maybe get up half an hour earlier to kind of get uh, you know a good amount of your steps done and then either Use your lunch break at work to go and get the rest of your steps in or another good chunk or even obviously you can go after work either way. But I promise you, you're going to find it a lot easier to stick to and actually achieve if you actually split up your steps and do them in smaller chunks throughout the day. So give that a try if you are someone that really struggles to get in their steps because I promise you just even that simple little hack right there can make a massive difference. Okay, and the final point. And this one is definitely super important as well and something I've found that just works really well for clients who, again, this goes back to my target audience in specific, but I know this works for a lot of people. I know that for a lot of people who work a 9-5 or work specifically between Monday and Friday, let's be honest, when it gets to the weekends, you just want to relax, right? You want to sit back, have a couple of beers, you want to go out for some nice food with your family and friends because you spent all week literally going to work and coming home and stuff like that, right? So one thing I found really useful for a lot of my clients in this position is to go with low calorie and high calorie days. More specifically, go lower calorie, say Monday to Friday, and then uh, kind of have higher calorie days, say Saturday, Sunday. And again, the purpose for that kind of goes back to the point I just mentioned. The really important thing for that is by going or by kind of adjusting your weekly calories to kind of balance it like this. What's really cool about this is, you know, during the week where typically you're not as sociable, um, and, you know, you're probably more focused on the actual game plan and just kind of getting through the day, that sort of thing, right? You're probably more than happy to go with lower calories during the week, especially because you're going to be so busy with work, with family stuff, with domestic stuff, with going to the gym, all that sort of stuff. And the beauty of it is it means that, you know, typically on Saturday, Sunday, where you're probably off work, you've got a bit more free time. You know, this is your actual time away from work and stuff, right? You can match that then with having higher calorie days, which then gives you so much more freedom. It gives you that ability to maybe just squeeze in a couple of beers with your mates on the weekend. It gives you that opportunity to, you know, go out to your favorite restaurant with your other half or, you know, have a takeaway with the family, that sort of thing, right? So you're not really doing anything special here in a sense. You know, your weekly calories will would remain the same, uh, you know, compared to, uh, you know, if you were just following the same calories seven days a week, right? Your weekly calories stay the exact same. But the difference here is you're deliberately going lower during the week where you're typically a lot busier and you're not really, you know, that bothered about having tons of food, right? Where you're obviously a lot busier. And what it means is that you can deliberately have higher calories on a weekend, which means that, you know, for the activities that you'd normally do when you are relaxing. So, for example, you know, 
I'm not going to beat around the bush. I know most people enjoy going to the pub to be able to relax. They want to, you know, be surrounded by community. They want to socialize, that sort of thing. People go to the pub because they want to unwind after a long and hard week, right? So at least by, you know, kind of manipulating your calories this way, it means that you can actually give yourself a lot more freedom when it comes to social events on the weekends. And then that means, you know, that you can go out and just kind of have the meals that you want, have a couple of drinks, all that sort of stuff. And it doesn't even make you feel like you're dieting because you've already made the kind of, um, you've made the adjustments for it. You know, you can fit these things in, excuse me, you can fit these things in and you won't even have to feel guilty about it because you've already made the adjustment with your calories to kind of, uh, you know, fit these things in. So again, I would definitely recommend doing that, uh, especially if you are the type of person that is, you know, Monday to Friday, you know, you're in the office, uh, you're very busy, that sort of thing. And you want to kind of use the weekends to relax after a long week. Match that with high calorie days. And what you're going to do right there is create an environment where on the weekends, you can actually enjoy yourself a little bit more when you've got free time. And it's not going to make you feel like you're dieting because you're actually including these things within your game plan. But at the same time, you're still putting in all the work across the week. That's then going to allow you to get the results that you want. So yeah, that is all from me for this podcast episode. So hopefully you guys found this one useful. Um, Again, I've been really kind of excited to kind of dive into this in a little bit more detail. I've covered it a little bit on social media, on like Instagram reels and posts and stuff over the past year. I've maybe covered like one or two of those points sort of thing, but I've never really been able to kind of cover it in really, really big detail. So that's again why one of the reasons I was looking forward to bringing the podcast back because this is my opportunity to be able to kind of talk about these things in a little bit more detail. But yeah, that is all from me for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Um, let me know obviously what your thoughts are. Uh, just as I said last week, you know, if there are any topics that you'd like me to cover or if there's anything you'd like me to discuss in this podcast, do drop me a message. I'd be more than happy to kind of, uh, you know, get some ideas and stuff like that. But yeah, anyway, hope you guys have a great day, whatever time you're listening to this and I'll see you in the next episode.